Hello, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks, and this episode features Rory and Kit from This Paranormal Life, and uh, I had a lot of fun talking to them, and you know what? I've been in touch with them since, and they've told me that they had a lot of fun too. So the feelings were mutual. You know what? They've got a big tour kicking off this week, uh, I should mention, and I tell you what, I'm a bit jealous, if I'm completely honest, because they're going to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Somerville, I don't know where that is, and then they're going to Belfast, Manchester, Glasgow and London, and you know, I should just be happy for them, but if I'm honest, I'd just wish we were going on a giant tour like that bloody hell if all of you listening could just download this like an extra two or three times and continue doing that for every other episode just to bump up the numbers and skew them slightly i would be very grateful um thank you for that by the way we are doing a live show in case you haven't listened to me telling you about these before we are doing one on thursday the 2nd of november as part of the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival. We're not going to Los Angeles and San Francisco and Chicago because we're humble. So we're going to go to Balham in southwest London to a pub called The Bedford. And you know what? I'm I'm just being silly, but it is a lovely pub and it's a really good venue and I would greatly love to see you there. So go and get your tickets, cheerfulearful.co.uk. It's less than a tenner. I mean, bloody hell. What a bargain. And if you want, you can go and see other podcasts on the night as well. There's Lou Sanders and a gay and a non-gay podcast there as well. So you can check those out if you want, but you will have to buy a separate ticket for those. I think that's it. Let's get on with the podcast now. Here is Rory and Kit from This Paranormal Life on Desert Island Dicks. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guests and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today are Rory and Kit from this Paranormal Life podcast. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for having us. We're, we're so excited to be here today uh, talking about some of the biggest assholes we can think about. <laughs> Good. Well, no, thank you for joining us. I mean, you you got a busy schedule lined up, so it's uh, it's nice to have some time with you. And um, I mean, yeah, talking about complete assholes or dicks. I mean, is that is that something that comes naturally to you guys? Uh, I I actually really struggled with this one. I uh, I listened to a few episodes of the show uh, before, and so I know that it kind of varies. People pick uh, celebrities that they hate, pop culture celebrities that they hate. So it was a little bit of a challenge to put a list together. But uh, I think we got some solid ones. Oh, today. you mean it was too hard because there's too many people you hate, not because oh, you're I'm such just a nice person. Filled okay. with hate. I, the list is so long, I couldn't <laughs> oh, narrow okay. it down. Yeah. Yeah, it tends to go either like people can't narrow it down or they go, oh, I don't want to offend anyone, you know, so it can sort of go either way sometimes. Yeah. 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 And Kit, how, how do you find the, the uh, task of, of picking a load of dicks for the island? Not hard. Um, I, I mean, you asked, how naturally does it come to us to be thinking about giant assholes? And I mean, week to week on the podcast and cover some pretty horrifying creatures. A giant asshole, thankfully, hasn't come across our paranormal investigator desk <laughs> just yet. Um, but we will be talking about the uh, very next best thing very, very shortly. Okay, well, look, let's get into it. Then let's find out who made it onto your list. Who's the first dick uh, on the island with you? 
Uh, I'm going to kick things off right off the bat uh, with a controversial one that we've actually talked about on the podcast before. So I'm sure this is going to divide your audience uh, right down the middle. But our first dickhead on the island is Paddington Bear. Okay, right. Paddington Bear. Okay, (laughs) this is good. I want to preface this by saying I haven't seen a single Paddington movie before. Mm -hmm. The ones that everybody raves about. I don't know what happens to individuals once they watch these movies. It's almost like it's almost paranormal in itself. It's almost like a spell because I know people who have gone into that movie saying, I hate this little bear. He's a prick. He's a little posh asshole. I hate his coat and his stupid hat. And then they come out the other side and they're just talking about friendship and love and and marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> and I, it scares me a little bit. I know the feeling. I mean, it's a very wholesome sort of thing, isn't it, Paddington Bear? Yeah. And I, th- I think that's it. I think if we're trapped on a desert island, sometimes situations are just bad. And, and it's fine to acknowledge that a situation is bad. And I think Paddington would just be like, Oh, it's okay. Let's all be friends and we'll work together. And it's like, you you got to shut the fuck up, man. You, it's bad. Like, we can all acknowledge that it's it's a bad situation to be in. If you're going to start serving me sandwiches from a hat, I don't want them. <laughs> yeah. Aunt Lucy isn't here, Paddington. Right. Aunt Lucy is a very long way away. Aunt Lucy doesn't care for our problems. Aunt Lucy actually would be a lot more useful than your useless ass because last time I checked, she lived in a jungle. She has survival skills. All he knows is a leafy suburb of West London. He he is absolutely no use on this island. Yeah, he's got neither jungle survival skills or like a streetwise kind of head on him because he's just living in very affluent part of a capital city. Yeah, you'd you'd hope maybe the best thing he could do is tap into the the bear side of his brain mm. and maybe, you know, be able to pull some survival skills from that. But uh, I think that part of him, he's gone now. He, he just gives off this aura of never having to worry about anything because he probably has a trust fund. Yeah. Yeah. I think Paddington, you know, he's very cute and seems like a nice, nice young chap. But it's basically like being on the island with Mr. Bean in terms of everything going wrong constantly. <laughs> Someone sent me the books like to read with my kids and I read them and it's like, you know, it's the same in the film and in the books, it's exactly the same. The whole thing about Paddington Bears, any situation just fucks it all up. <laughs> yeah. Utter liability. Yeah. He's going to be hopping around the island with like a foot in a bucket and another bucket on his head. <laughs> You know, knocking over all the drinking water you've collected, you know, putting his foot through a boat, you know. It it would be it would be at max three days before I drown him in the ocean. <laughs> and it's like this is gonna make the, the island better for everyone if he isn't on it. Mm. The whole cutesy thing can only take you so far. And I think it would get very old very fast. Right. Like Rory searching the island for berries, nuts, turning up absolutely empty handed. There's only so many days before and I'm sorry that this presumably happens week to week on your show, Dan, but uh not quite cannibalism, but turning on each other to eat each other. I mean, hmm. Paddington is starting to look, you know, he's been raised on, you know, like those Wagyu cows that are raised on beer and classical music. <laughs> he's been raised on marmalade, which has got to be, I don't like marmalade, but marmalade fed bear is probably all right. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be some sweet meat. I think one of the problems with Paddington is it's that sort of thing of, you know, he's really annoying in his actions, but he's kind of adorable. So there'd be lots of like, oh, you what has that bloody bear done now? And then you'd pull the bucket off his head and you'd be like, oh, Paddington, you know, and he'd look up at you like a little puppy and you'd kind of go, 
oh, it's not really your fault. And then like half an hour later, you're like, fucking hell. Right. I just think he'll really just play with the full spectrum of emotions all the time. Yeah, you know, I I feel like you guys are maybe a little bit more used to this dynamic. You know, uh, if you are a parent, you basically have a little Paddington, which is creatingly... <laughs> is constantly creating messes around the house and you're like you little whippersnapper i wish you hadn't knocked daddy's paint all over the wood floor Hmm. that's not something that i'm used to on a daily basis so maybe you would have a a higher patience for that level of kind of tomfoolery well i don't know i mean with paddington he lives in this affluent family's house in west london they've got a housekeeper i mean i think if i had a housekeeper i'd maybe be a bit more patient with my kids when they get into this (laughs) when it's always me who has to clean up it's slightly less fun The, the weird thing that's with paddington now that we have to address is He's sort of become like the gatekeeper of the afterlife as well, you know, with the queen and stuff. You know, when the queen died and there were all those memes like Paddington walking her up to heaven. You're like, what is this? You're like the boatman that carries people across the river Styx now. Like, what the, what the hell he's, is he's going like an, on? He's like an ancient Egyptian god. You have to pay the kind of toll when you die and then if... If you do, he'll take you across the afterlife. Yeah, and on the one hand, it's sort of like if you died and you saw Paddington there, you're like, oh, this isn't so scary. It's like, yeah, don't worry. Take my furry paw. I'll lead you into the afterlife. You're like, okay. But on the other hand, as we said, he's like a clumsy goon. So you're like, <laughs> like you know, just sort of smashes into the pearly gates, knocks over St. <laughs> yeah. Peter's plinth and, you know, like sets his big book of names on fire. And you're like, well, I'm sorry. I can't tell if you need to come in or not anymore because... <laughs> I've lost the register thanks to Paddington here. There's marmalade all over the fucking scroll. I can't even <laughs> see if your name is on it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If he was driving you up to heaven, he'd be like one of those taxi drivers that is always turning around to talk to you. Yeah. And you're like, well, uh, yeah, no, but keep a, let's keep going up because you're starting to go down. And I think hell is down. So let's, let's keep going towards the clouds, Paddington. And I mean, we don't want to get two in the weeds but i mean you did just bring that up that yeah he was i forgot that he was heavily associated for some godforsaken reason with the passing of queen elizabeth which i think i think that was maybe some of the first eyebrows were being raised (laughs) with kind of paddington's intentions as a monarchist i don't think he had come out (laughs) mask off as a monarchist before that yeah that was uh that was the tipping point for me Uh, i think when i saw that social little weird video that he did with the queen it was it was it was like sickly you know when you watch something and i was like i I just makes me feel gross watching it it's too cute i don't don't like it i think it's that thing of just it's one of those things when you see paddington and the queen and everyone's getting behind it and i just think oh guys foreigners are gonna watch this and think we're all like this come (laughs) on (laughs) right it would have been a much more uh, interesting and um, representative video if the queen was having dinner with cocaine bear yeah. uh, an- another famous bear that i think uh, you know i think deserves to have the attention of the royals definitely definitely okay well i think it's a really solid first addition to the island so uh, yeah paddington bears joining you who's next on the island with you it's a good question well you know we mentioned we're paranormal investigators that's what we do in our podcast every week so we would be remiss um to not name check a sort of paranormal entity that's why our second uh, unfortunate guest on the island is a 19th century ghost called corny mm-hmm. he's from dublin uh, he was a ghost in a house in dublin uh, not just any ghost but a, a poltergeist so that typically actually now that i'm mentioning it we're seeing a through line here absolute paddington vibes a bit naughty (laughs) bit mischievous 
uh, knocking over objects, moving furniture, hiding things about the house. But Corny is uh, somewhat notorious as a ghost because he kind of took things to the next level. So this guy was like a roast comedian. He was... (laughs) In the 1800s, he was roasting the people who lived in the house, performing borderline a stand-up routine every day. Uh, This was kind of a problem because, you know, for the family living there, he's torturing them. They do the thing that they actually never get around to doing in the horror movies. This is why it's so realistic. They just decided to instantly move out, sell the house. But uh, anytime someone would come to view it, he would launch into type five, you know, like, (laughs) How are we doing there tonight, ladies and gentlemen? That's a lovely dog you've got there. Oh, that's your husband. Oh, my mistake, my mistake. <laughs> He's laying into anyone who sets foot in the house and they weren't able to sell it. This is not like that mad. This is not that mad for an episode of This Paranormal Life. Not that mad for a ghost story. The problem is, we discovered, didn't we, Rory, that um, this this wasn't a ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I think our conclusion at the end of that episode was that essentially this was a man hiding inside of a barrel <laughs> who, because a lot of the things he would do wouldn't be missions or priorities that you would necessarily associate with ghosts. You know, ghosts, uh, they usually have unfinished business here on earth or something that uh, was a traumatic experience in the past that mean they have to haunt the living. I think Corny would just come out at night and steal bread. He actually did appear to the family, you know, in a physical form, uh, but unfortunately not as like a wispy white, like ghost of the past. He was allegedly a completely naked man, completely <laughs> naked, solid man. Um, he, he used to tell the family that they needed to go to bed early because he was, quote, having some friends around. <laughs> and when they did go to bed, they would hear, quote, lots of ghosts <laughs> wrecking the place. And in the morning, the place would be trashed. So this guy was, uh, over years, he was appearing as a ghost, allegedly, but uh, absolutely abusing this family, being terrible, roasting everyone in sight. Wow. I mean, so what we've basically got is a squatter with uh, illusions of trying to get on to mock the week or something like that, really, or like live <laughs> at the Apollo, you know, but, yeah. but in the past. I think I'd, I'd rather have a ghost, like a genuine ghost, than just some chance of like that. Just... Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're absolutely right because, I mean, he's a squatter. So he's already on the fringes of society. We don't know what what's going to happen that sends him over the, the edge into just murder grievous bodily harm i don't know yeah because the sort of person who thinks i'm gonna hide in a barrel of this in, like in this house and i'm just gonna torment anyone who lives there for years every yeah. day i mean that's uh an unhinged person to be dealing with i love the idea as well it's like can you can you go to bed early because i'm gonna have some ghost friends around right <laughs> yeah sorry it's just the last time we did that you and your mates trashed the place it's like oh yeah yeah i know but um I did tell them they're coming round, so, you know, off you go. And just going, yeah, go on then. All right, ghost, see you later. And just going, oh, God, they're going to trash the place again. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird dynamic where everyone hates what's happening. And he's obviously doing something very illegal, but they still have a reputation where he's kind of asking permission for stuff as well. <laughs> he's like, is it all right if I have some friends around? And they're like, no, it's the, it's not even all right that you're here now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How did we get to this point? It's it's a very sort of, you know, we see it in like horror movies. Horror movies generally come to us, uh, you know, maybe historically largely from America and they have this kind of 
very overtly threatening, bloody kind of vibe to them. Paranormal activity. The ghosts are pretty, pretty aggressive. Um, this does strike me as a uniquely Irish sort of ghost story. It's like, you know, he's it, like, is he, is it illegal? Is it not? Uh, it's sort of on the border. He's a rap scallion, that's for sure. But is it? Is it arrestable? I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, the, the worst part about it as well, if you think about the island setting, uh, this is essentially someone who's not going to do anything. He's going to take all of the supplies that we've all gathered. And if you ask him to do anything, he's going to pull out the ghost card. You know, if you ask him to build a little hut for the night, he's like, I wish I could, man. I wish I could, but the sticks are going to go right through these hands. I, I wish I could pick it up. And it's like, well, it's interesting because you ate all the rations pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. and you seem to be able to pick those up just fine. Yeah, just the idea of living with just a lazy drunk who like insists <laughs> that they're a ghost. <laughs> Where you're like, I'm dying on a desert island. Can you just help me build the shelter, please? I know you're a ghost, but just this once. Can yeah. you... <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. Yeah, living with that energy on the island of just like, just a barefaced liar who's also quite lazy and annoying. <laughs> and then to yeah, then to layer on the added extra of being a ghost. Yeah, just totally useless. Yeah, and you're like, um, maybe he does believe he's a ghost, or am I just an idiot for believing that he thinks he's a ghost? Or like just the mind games forever with that guy. Yeah. The more time you spend on that island, you're definitely gonna start questioning more things. I mean, you're already on with a talking bear in a raincoat, so who knows? Maybe this naked man eating fish raw out of the ocean is a ghost also. <laughs> I guess, well, you'll be with him for pretty much eternity, so I guess you'll get to find out. But it's a superb <laughs> second addition to the island. Um, who's going to round it off? Who's going to be your third person on the island? I think this would be probably the most insufferable person uh, to be stuck on an island with, and that is Willy Wonka. Mm, interesting. Okay. What's your thoughts on Mr. Wonka? I think he's a criminal. I think he has killed children before in his factory and suffered no repercussions. In a similar vein to Paddington, I think he would just be someone who's trying to help the situation in his own quirky, weird way that would frustrate me incredibly. There's no candy on the island. And if we do get any food, we don't need candy. We need something with nutritional benefits from it. If he's mashing... Uh, seashells together with salt water and coconut milk to create something called a gauze wobbler that makes me fly. I don't want it. Mm. I don't want it. We need something with protein and carbs, Mr. Wonka. Yeah, definitely. It's that sort of story where you just think if that was invented today, I mean, you just couldn't have someone that chronically irresponsible who just goes, right, you haven't seen me in years, but I'm going to let all, all <laughs> one of your children in, one adult's allowed in with them, and you've got to sign this very lengthy waiver, and uh, some of them will probably die, but it's still a magical kingdom of sweeties, you know. Yeah, I don't know how hungry these kids were or how sugar-loving they were, but in today's society, that wouldn't fly. Hmm. You, there would need to be lawyers on hand reading that contract. I mean, the fact that he's even hidden stuff very small in the contract is maybe an indication that this is kind of a sneaky guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never, I mean, not to take it to a dark place, but I've never actually 
Uh, I've been subjected to Rory's uh, Willy Wonka is a criminal uh, theory before, but I never actually made those parallels between the kind of Michael Jackson's Neverland vibes of the kind of Wonka factory and actually the overtones of Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka, which is that he was this kind of like childlike genius uh, who kind of never uh, matured mentally. And that's why he is the way he is, uh, which again, just makes him even more uh, truly nefarious and useless on the island Mm. i think his character very much alludes to the fact it wasn't just candies he was making in the in this you know in the (laughs) factory like there was definitely some other kind of uh i don't know legal or illegal highs going on you know as part of it and maybe that were the those are the rooms you didn't get to visit with the umpa lumpers that had the the different color jackets that you never really saw you know what do those guys do yeah the ones with holstered pistols (laughs) kind of guarding doors that looked like they had key code access requirements i mean the odds are if you at any point can create a uh drink that can make you fly likelihood is that you have a contract with the US government. Yeah. They're getting involved at some point. Yeah. And I just think that a lot of his stuff, you know, was amazing, but also incredibly irresponsible. So it's like, well, yeah, this will make you fly. And then you'd be 200 feet in the air and you'd be shouting, how do I get down? You'd be like, oh, I haven't tried that bit yet. You know, and you think, well, (laughs) great. Thanks, Willie. It's wildly irresponsible to put the the soda that makes you fly in the one room that has a giant blender in the ceiling. <laughs> like he he's basically like jigsaw. Like he can pretend like this was all an accident, but he's kind of like, oh no, did you drink the the forbidden soda I told you not to? Uh, that's a shame. Probably shouldn't have done that because there's a big blade out here. Yeah, and just a psychopathic lack of empathy as well. Sort of like <laughs> my daughter's. Like just gone up that big tube. You're like, oh well, she'll find her way to the furnace eventually. And you just think, whoops, oh, that's it. Right. And and you don't understand why I'm angry about that. Like <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, what a what a character to have on the island with you. Yeah. Also, I feel like, you know, as soon as we're starting to delegate out work, we're all Oompa Loompas in his eyes. Oh, he's yeah. putting those feet up. And he's just watching us do all the work. Yeah, he's he's done it before. I mean, we've talked about that, Rory, is the, um, you know, kind of diving. Di- you know, he kind of glosses over this relationship with the Oompa Loompas mm-hmm. in the movie. But it, it's a relatively dark past. Do you remember the specifics? Well, all we have heard, as far as I know, is Wonka's version of the story. Yeah. Where I think he claims they lived in some place where they were being hunted by another creature. So according to Willy Wonka, he was like, I'll save you. You can all come work in my factory and and you don't have to be hunted every day by these bigger creatures. The more you read into it, the more you're like, I think Willy Wonka created the other creature <laughs> yeah. that hunts them so he could get free labor in this chocolate factory. <laughs> I don't know how willingly that labor has been given over the years. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> And you know that he's not paying the staff well. This is going to be minimum wage at best. Your your Christmas bonus is probably a fucking gingerbread man. It's it's not gonna. They're not going to be well compensated. Or it might just be that sort of debt bondage thing where it's like, what you you want to leave? But but wait, I brought you here. I saved you. I gave you somewhere to live. I gave you clothes. I gave you a job. How much do you think that costs? You haven't even worked anything off yet. He's a Jeff Bezos uh, of of this island. (laughs) 
Yeah, time, toilet breaks, the lot. It's, it's all <laughs> yeah. happening. Okay, well, look, I think this is a, a really good trio of dicks. I mean, you have a completely wild, irresponsible person. You've got like the, the poltergeist slash drunk guy um, and just Paddington Bear being an insufferable pain in the ass the whole time. So I think it's already an awkward island. Okay, now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Tubs and tubs and tubs, as far as the eye can see, of mayonnaise. Okay. And do you both agree on this or is this just Kit's, Kit's thing? Because Rory, oh, you're shaking your head. Yeah, that's just Kit. Mayo is my one of my top three condiments. I'm slapping that stuff on everything. <laughs> I'm going to kill you and eat you. I'd rather do that <laughs> than, than touch the stuff. I mean, you know, I will admit, there's not a whole lot of thought. This is pure instinct going into this decision, uh, but uh, that is just that is just my my gut reaction. You know, it, it, it's. I feel like, you know, we can we can learn a lot about mayonnaise's shortcomings by all the successes of its kind of antagonist and other half, ketchup. <laughs> ketchup, unbelievably rich. Uh, flavor palette combination of uh, sweet, savory, umami, a uh, little bit of acidity, and so on. Discovered, uh, you know, to the west from Southeast Asia, pairs beautifully with different cuisines from around the world. Mayonnaise is blended up eggs, egg sauce. Egg sauce is a is a phrase that shouldn't exist. <laughs> I do find it weird when you see pictures of eggs on the front of mayonnaise. Not like I like to sort of distance myself from what it is, but you know, it doesn't really taste of eggs. But when you're like, yeah, egg sauce in a, in a, in a squeezy tube, you're like, yeah, this is this is odd. And just the idea of like how how that was sort of born, you know, someone thought, hmm, I'm going to make a sauce from eggs. Like, what? Well, but you can do so much with an egg already. Make it into cakes, and you can just cook it in many different ways. But Someone really loved eggs that day, didn't they? Liquid egg. Yeah. And it's kind of got, I mean, eggs kind of have the built-in runny yolk when cooked correctly that soldiers are delicious in. Why blend them up into a white sauce? I mean, I'm, I am a big mayonnaise fan uh, like Rory. So, um, yes. you know, yes. but I, I have to obviously look at the faults in, in everything that we pick on this podcast. So, I mean, there are things wrong with it. I mean, I think inherently, as we say, an egg-based sauce is ne never going to be anyone's choice, uh, you know, if you just look at it like that. You know, when it's just left on a plate for a while and someone goes off and you come back to it, and it's got that sort of weird sheen to it. Almost Oof, sort of like, yeah. that's off-putting. And I mean, that on an island. I think if you were going to have a condiment left out in a desert island setting, even though I prefer yes. mayonnaise to ketchup, it doesn't age well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those condiments that if you left it long enough, I think it could start moving mm. by itself. Mm. It, it starts to become something very strange and different. Now, I will say, unless there's, you know, some kind of 3D chest to this that I hadn't anticipated, like, could you using these kind of natural caking properties, could you craft a vessel out of it? Mm. A boat of some sort? I don't know. But uh, I mean, one thing I do, I do find interesting and disturbing is, are you kind of aware of this, like the national differences uh, in attitudes towards mayonnaise versus ketchup? We kind of have got like, I, well, I know in Europe anyway, it's like cross a border. If, I think the idea, honestly, is if you go to McDonald's in different countries, they will, by default, give you different sauces. So some countries go ketchup, some countries go mayonnaise. 
Yeah, I think in the Netherlands they're big on mayonnaise, aren't they, with chips and things like that. And uh, yeah, I mean Japanese mayonnaise is incredible. It's insane. Japanese may there's a store not far from me in London that sells the big tubs of it, and I only had to stop buying it because I had almost doubled in size within a fortnight. Yeah, do you know what? I don't like I heard people going on about it and I thought it was just this hipster thing of like, oh, you've got to try Japanese mayonnaise. And <laughs> right. then I tried it and I, I like mayonnaise, but I can have a normal pot of it in the fridge for ages and I'll just occasionally use it on a sandwich or some chips or whatever. Japanese one comes into my house and I am just an animal. I'm making coleslaw, I'm putting on everything <laughs> I can do. Like I just and I'll say to people, try this because it will change your life. Not in a you'll find it's really good. But I mean, your cholesterol will change. That's what, like it will actively <laughs> change your life. You will live for less. Um, yeah, like, no, for, not the good cholesterol, not the LDL or whatever, the bad stuff. Yeah, you will live a shorter life with this Japanese mayonnaise in your life. All right. Well, I'm, I'm starting to think that if the three of us plus mayonnaise were on the island, I'd be getting you know, tossed overboard, not the mayonnaise. But look, this is mayonnaise from a plane. It's going to be shit kind of vinegary crap mayonnaise, which, you know, uh, you know, everything that you like also has a, an extra bad version. I think that's what we're going to get. And so Rory, you're not going to be that happy with the mayonnaise either, I think. No, probably not in this situation. I don't know what mayonnaise and coconut taste like together, but it's probably not great. Well, You've got Willy Wonka to to sort of combine okay, them and see what he can come up with. Like, oh, what's this chocolate? Oh, it's coconut. Oh, it's got a mayonnaise center. You animal. It's like they love it in Japan, actually. It's very uncultured of you, Rory. Okay, and uh, what's your drink choice going to be? The worst drink that I can think of is, again, this is probably going to be a controversial one, is uh, sparkling water. Good. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with this. I cannot stand sparkling water. I, I, I don't know why we had to take a drink that is, I guess, the most essential liquid any human can have and require on a daily basis and make it fizzy, make, make it harder to drink. It's a nightmare. I, I really can't stand it. Yeah. Where do you stand on this, Kip? Uh, I couldn't. Dis I mean, I can't say I'm surprised uh, that that Rory doesn't have enough kind of class or panache or um, <laughs> style to enjoy. It's kind of such a sophisticated beverage. Uh, I can't say I'm surprised, but I do totally disagree. I think it has medicinal and kind of therapeutic benefits due to its m lovely mineral content. It's quite refreshing. It has a kind of uh, savoriness to it, I suppose, which pairs well with food. Uh, and who doesn't like bubbles? Rory, you're you're born in Georgia. You, sh you love bubbles. In my Diet Coke, Kit. In my Diet Coke. It, it, it just is unnecessary. Anytime I'm drinking, if I'm drinking a glass of water, I'm doing it for two reasons. I am dehydrated and I need nourishment. That's actually the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> At no point do I think I would love this to be fizzy. I would love this flavorless liquid to be harder to drink and make it a more painful experience. <laughs> See, I just think it must be one of those things that those of us who don't like it taste something different because it has such a strong taste to me that isn't just water with bubbles in. Yeah. Like it's so strong and I, I don't like, even if it's flat, it's not just water then. Y yeah. You know, whereas I think flat Coke is still Coke, you know, I don't know, like, it's just the, I guess it must be the gas or something, but I think other people are like, what do you mean it's just water with bubbles? What are you, what are you getting so weird about? 
and tonic water fine with that you know but that's obviously got stuff added to it but yeah i definitely when I, when i drink water i taste water when i drink fizzy water sparkling water it's so fucking fizzy it's like i feel like i'm like i all i can taste is the bubbles like mm. i don't get anything from it it's just bubbles in my mouth i feel like I'm drinking a witch's cauldron or something. I can't even get a full gulp mm. or swallow. It's like bubbling up in my mouth. Well, you know, Rory, I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert on the subject, but I do have an interesting kind of angle to this, which, which, which might be able to change your mind, depending on what type of island we have crash landed on. Because I would agree that, um, you know, you go to your Tesco's, uh, you know, water aisle, and you pick up the Tesco's kind of cheapest two-liter bottle of water. That is sparkling water, truly for for oafs. And of course, in a pinch, I will drink it. Um, you know, we're all cost conscious, but th the bubbles are too large. That is because it is, you know, artificially carbonated uh, after the fact. So they take regular kind of spring water, which is not carbonated, and then they carbonate it after the fact. So what we need to get you, and as I say, maybe on this island we could find one, we need to find a naturally occurring aquifer which is naturally sparkling, which is much less sparkling. You know the way like some beer is like really aggressively carbonated and then like, whereas a Guinness is like barely carbonated. Mm. I, I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't know you could get different levels of carbonated water. Maybe you're right. Maybe I've just been getting the one with the max bubble levels. I feel like I'm drinking bath water. Yes, it's uh, almost like crunchy. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's yeah. Like so aggressive. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... You know, we come back to this a lot on the podcast with something is so similar to something that you love. It's almost worse than just something else like another drink that you hate, you know, because, mm. you know, you still have that weird taste to you, Rory. And Kit, you're going to be like, you know, what, what, what's the problem with this? You know, I think what's great about your food and drink choices is that you disagree with each other as well, thus causing even more animosity and pain on the <laughs> island. So that's just a lovely, a lovely flourish there from both of you, I think. Right. You know, yeah. Imagine if we, if we, if we twist this, that, you know, imagine we had intended to bring these items and Rory turns to me on the day we crash. <laughs> I goes, good news, brother. I brought enough mayonnaise for everyone. And I <laughs> strangle him to death. That is kind of the, uh, the, I think the, why our dynamic, uh, works so well is because, uh, Kit's knowledge fills in my ignorance, um, <laughs> You know, if we crash land on an island, Kit has his organic matcha latte. I've got my um, Monster Energy drink and my McDonald's one pound cheeseburger. You know, we both complement each other in different ways. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to see. I mean, I feel that Willy Wonka is going to try and compliment your choices by making fizzy mayonnaise at some point. But, uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Jesus uh, Christ. Hopefully your friendship will last that. Okay, now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Uh, well, I can tackle the music side, uh, okay. and unfortunately, even, even just this hypothetical premise is to be honest, pretty traumatizing. That's because I, I kind of have my own experience of just this scenario. That's why the song in question that is playing on repeat on this multimedia system is a 2001 classic, Drops of Jupiter, brackets, Tell Me by the band Train. Oh, man. Yes, this is a good choice. So, I, I, I mean, I'll say just, just 
you know, because anytime I talk to people about this song, they they tell me they don't know what it is. You do know what it is. I, I, I'm sorry in advance, but it's the one with the chorus. Tell me, did you sail across the sun? Did you make it to the Milky Way? I was on a flight uh, to uh, Japan. It's coming up again. Uh, my wife and I were going to Japan. We'd, we'd saved up for a long time. We were dead excited for this. We were getting an Air France flight from Heathrow to Tokyo. Uh, it's 2019. We board the flight. Uh, we are couldn't be more excited. We take our seats. And as we take our seats, Drops of Jupiter brackets tell me is playing over the system. I don't even know the name of the song. Not that familiar with it. Um, but I instantly recognize it. And it's, it's, by all accounts, it's a great song. It's of a certain era in kind of those early 2000s. You know, there's still a bit of uh, optimism still still left in the world uh indie rock was uh you know reaching its kind of cusp over those next few years uh some great kind of just catchy songwriting uh very earnest emotional lyrics um and i find myself nodding along to it and and quite happy this would become the soundtrack to my life-changing trip to japan little did i know much like in this situation of being stranded on the desert island that plane would be grounded at the airport for a few hours. What I also didn't know was that just like in this scenario, the multimedia system <laughs> was incapable of playing any other song than Drops of Jupiter Brackets Tell Me. Uh, I was exposed to a Guantanamo Bay level of psychic damage and torture, uh, having to listen to this just on blind repeat. Uh, over and over and over, each word to this day burned into my psyche. So, as I say, sadly, this isn't hypothetical. I've lived this, and I know what it's like. Wow, that is amazing! Christ, imagine why can't you imagine how technically advanced a jet is, but you can't turn off <laughs> the on hold music? I mean, that's worrying, isn't it? Christ, so you, yeah, you've really lived it. When I hear that song, it feels like it's designed to be kind of on hold music. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it's really a band that wrote it and put it on an album and go out and tour it, you know, because it's so sort of insipid to me and just so inoffensive that it fits that kind of thing perfectly. I know what you mean. It's it's very like um, syncable, as musicians would say, like like you could see it on ads, see it on TV programs. Mm. I, I think I had to look, because as I said, I didn't even know the name of the song. I had to look it up before this recording. And I think they won a Grammy for it. So, uh, you know, good luck to them. Wow. I mean, um, I, I recently found out that there's seven members of that band. And I find it, you know, when you think like... No fucking way. You know, when you think, I get it if it's like a sort of technical thrash metal band and you need like a couple of guitarists, maybe a couple of, you know, an extra percussionist or something. Yeah. When it's sort of middle of the road, soft rock, I'm like, what are you all doing? Like, are they just your childhood best friend who didn't amount to anything and you had to kind of give them a gig? Like, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah, you you know, you know, whenever the singer and lead guitarist, are, you know, are kind of when all the rest of the band have you know called it a night and those guys are still holding up the the hotel bar at 2 a.m. in Tokyo you know you know they're being like bro we got to ditch the dead weight we got to ditch it <laughs> and did you see that recent like that american express ad we did bro if if that had just been me and you we'd be rich rich beyond the wildest <laughs> dreams yeah i i just think it's that sort of thing that for me i get that sort of stuff really stuck in my head i don't know what part of my psyche hates me but like i really get those kind of things stuck in my head and it's it's just 
just kind of yeah because like you say it's so syncable it just it just loops so easily you know and it's sort of <laughs> and it's got a sort of little sing-alongy kind of loop to it and yeah I think I mean as you say you know what it's like so imagine being in that situation for a second time in your life <sighs> yeah yeah uh, yeah I don't really want to go there oh man that is absolutely fantastic um what's your film choice going to be uh, the film choice, I wanted to keep this one uh, pretty current and pretty recent because I think it's very rare that I have a take that uh, kind of disagrees with the opinions of the larger public, despite hating Paddington Bear. But uh, this is also one that Kit and I have had. We've This is the closest I think we've ever got to fist fighting each other, uh, discussing the our opinions on this movie before. And that is the recent sci-fi mega blockbuster called june okay yes 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 now um so rory you dislike it kit you like it love it okay yeah yeah we're both on the furthest end of that spectrum possible this is music to my ears (laughs) yeah yeah uh, uh, how did you find it dan did you have you seen it i have seen it and um it was to be honest i kind of i'm probably in the middle i sort of saw it and I think right at the beginning, it says something like part one. So already I was a bit like, <laughs> oh, come on. You didn't tell me this. Was, you were going to do this. And it's a two and a half hour film. So I'm like, don't make it a part one, you know, if you're yeah. going to do that. But the thing is, it was one of those evenings. I was really desperate to just, I hadn't been out of the house in ages. I worked from home and I was like, I've got to get out. None of my friends were around for a drink. And I thought, oh, I never do this. I'm going to go to the cinema on my own in the evening. <laughs> and it was such a rare treat to just be like child-free in the cinema on my own. It was a really comfy cinema. I had a whole sofa to myself. And I kind of think if I see anything in that sort of scenario, I will always give it like two more points out of 10 than I would if I just watched it at home on my telly, you know. Absolutely, yeah. But it, I did sort of feel like I didn't really care about anything that happened in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, it, it, I was only disappointed because I think I got to it a little bit late. So by the time I got to it, the hype was already there. People were like, this, this is a masterpiece. This is cinema like it hasn't been in years. This is, you know... A, a galaxy so massive and abstract, it's going to blow your mind. And uh, I think by the time we got to an hour and a half in and very, very little had kind of taken place, as you said, I didn't really care about anything that had happened. <laughs> There'd been just as many dream sequences as there had been real life events. Uh, all of the dreams about a character that's not even in the movie, she, she's in the second half. So you don't even really know what's going on there. Yeah, even knowing that it was the first half of a two-parter, they don't even really, anytime a movie does that, like splits into the two parts, I'm like, you know what? I think that's fine and I will allow it, but you got to give us something that feels like an ending, even if at the halfway point. Mm. The ending of Dune really didn't deliver that for me. I think there's like a little scrap fight in a desert where somebody kills a guy. Paul killed a man. Paul killed a man. So it was a little more than a scrap. (laughs) Paul killed a guy you met so recently. I don't think he even learned his name. He, he had two minutes of on-screen action. Well, he killed it was a guy. The, it was the symbolism of Paul's entrance into this uh, uncontacted tribe, and you know, and setting up the entire next movie. And I mean, you said that nothing happened in the first hour and a half, but I seem to remember one planet invaded another planet, which is actually quite a lot. <laughs> that was the one thing that did happen. There were bits. There were bits that I did enjoy, but I think that combined with 
the the level of prestige it was being given, like the way people were talking about it. I think I came out of it just being I, like like I had seen a different movie than everyone else. Yeah, I I often feel quite out of sync with uh, public opinion, and I I find it's it's a really frustrating feeling when you kind of want to come out and rant about something and no one no and you can't find anything on the internet that agrees with you and you're like <laughs> oh, you've got this like really pent up kind of like disappointment and like yeah it's, it's difficult I mean yeah I, as I say like I just can't remember much about it I just remember like it looked really good sound was good no idea like if I watched the second one I'd really have to take a refresher because I don't know who anyone is I think I find <laughs> Timothy Chalamet a little bit annoying just in general. And that's me. I, there's no reason for that. I couldn't really say why. I just find him a bit irritating. The uh, the, the one thing I do remember about when I went to see Dune is uh, I went to see it down uh, at South Bank here in London. And afterwards, uh, me and my friends went out to the, the kind of markets that they have there because uh, it was around Christmas time, I think. So we went to go get a, a drink, a mulled wine, and we went to one of the stalls and the guy serving the drinks looked so much like Timothy Chalamet that I thought this was some sort of like viral junket, like press <laughs> activation. Mm. That it was like outside of Dune, we made Timothy Chalamet serve mulled wine right, and see you, if anyone would notice yeah, that it yeah. was him. You're about to turn up on the GQ hype YouTube channel, kind of being filmed from afar. Yeah, yeah. Look at this moron. He just saw Dune and didn't realize he was talking <laughs> to Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I do. I do think that sort of feels like a Timothy Chalamet move to sort of just get really into character for his next thing, where <laughs> right, he's like yeah. a mulled wine, you know, humble mulled wine salesman in a Christmas market, you know, as a sort of temporary job while he. The struggling actor, or something. Well, uh, I didn't even think about this, but uh, maybe I do hate uh, Timothy Chalamet as well because now he's playing Willy Wonka. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. true. Yeah. It's, it's so like true. all my hatred come together. Oh, it's come full circle. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, I think so far your choices have been superb. We've got one more to make because finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Unfortunately, biggest dick might actually be anatomically correct in the description of this terrifying <laughs> beast. Uh, our choice for this animal has been the skunk ape. The skunk ape. I don't know what this is. So, you know, like I said earlier, you know, our, in our profession, we come face to face every week, you know, with uh, terrifying beasts, specifically cryptids, which just really means uh, an animal unknown to science or god but exists in the kind of paranormal research world you know think nessie think bigfoot and we've come across hundreds of such creatures the skunk ape being one of the most terrifying this thing is native to florida and the everglades its name obviously evokes some pretty simple ideas you could put them all out of your mind it's bigfoot like it's it's basically bigfoot in every regard Eight foot tall, bipedal, hairy, walks weird, but it smells like shit. <laughs> That's the main difference between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. One of them smells repulsive. I mean, I, I imagine if Bigfoot was in the Everglades, what with the humidity and, and all that hair, it probably would smell pretty bad after a while. I mean, that's the thing. Bigfoot himself, he probably smells like shit. Mm. I mean, all that yes. fur wandering around in the forest. So if there's another version of him that's known for how bad it smells, 
my God, how bad could it be? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get crass, but Bigfoot isn't wiping. So he, he definitely <laughs> smells. But the skunk ape is even worse, which, yeah, it, it simply begs belief. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, you know, being stuck on an island with any kind of paranormal cryptid is 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 pretty terrifying. As you say, if it's overrun, I mean, these things are seen very infrequently. Uh, but if it's overrun, I mean, that's it's a wrap. Mm. And I and I think with something like a, a a skunk ape or a bigfoot, you know, we have no idea if they're peaceful. Or, I mean, I suppose we assume they're peaceful because you don't hear about attacks. You know, they're very rare sightings. But you're always going to be a bit on edge because you know, basically, you're trapped with this very big thing that's probably quite fast and strong. And you know, you don't know if it's going to run out of food, what it eats. There's always going to be that tension of like, are we going to get killed by the skunk apes tonight? Which is not a great sentence. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And if we're we're talking about a creature that smells this bad. I mean, let's say if the plane crashes in the ocean and you got to swim a mile to get to the island, I don't even think that's cleaning them up much. I think this is just going to be, I mean, hopefully it's one of those smells that you kind of get used to after a while, like uh, people who have gross dogs and they're unaware that their apartment smells like shit. (laughs) But I kind of think like, you know, maybe it's just something we're built, you know, like shit is always meant to smell bad to us as humans, you know, like rotting food is always has to smell bad to us because that's how we evolved to know it's, it's not good. So I kind of think for this island, you're never going to get used to it. And I mean, I I don't want to disturb the listeners further, but it's really worth pointing out that, you know, obviously we cover a lot of stuff on our podcast and, you know, spoiler alert, most of it we say isn't real. At the end of the episode, we always like to come down and and give our two cents about whether we think something's real or not. Disturbingly, in the case of the skunk ape, we said it was real. Okay. (laughs) We we were, you know, I presented to Rory some pretty irrefutable, A, video evidence of him strutting through the Everglades, which didn't necessarily win Rory over. Uh, We've seen hoaxed video evidence before, but then I was able to, there was a, a terrifying uh, story of a skunk ape that kept visiting a woman's back garden, I seem to remember, and maybe eating apples from her apple tree. Um, and one night she was ready with the Polaroid camera and she snapped some, think of like old Facebook club photos with the flash on, you know, when mm. your mates were like one foot from your fa- from the camera lens. <laughs> it's like that, but of the skunk ape, it's quite terrifying. Oh man, I'm definitely going to have to look it up, but I think it's a it's a great choice for your island as well. Just the idea of these things roaming around and and if they turn out to be mean, you know, it's almost like a horror film. It's like, you know, you go for a pee and you kind of see something wandering up to you like Paddington, did you did you smell in the <laughs> did, did you fall in the latrine again? You're like, "Oh no." And then it just goes for you and that's that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Paddington would probably try and befriend this thing because it's like, hey, I'm a bear, you're kind of a bear, and this thing would probably rip him in two pieces. With any luck, yeah. Yeah, but strutting around with his little red hat on. (laughs) A duffel coat that's never going to fit, but it's trying. (laughs) It's also kind of uh, in a Twilight Zone-esque twist. It would be very frustrating because you would finally be in a position where you could take pictures and get first-hand evidence to prove this thing exists while also not being able to tell anyone because you're stuck on a desert island. Yeah. So that extra cruel irony would be uh, would be painful as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, look, as I say, I think it's a, a great final choice uh, to what is already a, a lovely island populated with people and things that I think, like I say, it's, it's great that you don't even agree on all of them as well, because it's <laughs> going to turn you against each other. It's just, oh, it's, it's a work of art. So well done, guys. Well done. Now, um, you guys are about to go on tour. So uh, tell everyone about the places you, you're going on tour. We are. We're about to embark on our first world tour. We did a UK tour for the first time last year, but we're doing world tour this time. Uh, that is to say America and the UK. Um, so we're going to be uh, heading over for our first show is in LA on the 6th of October. We're making our way to uh, San Francisco, Chicago, uh, Somerville outside Boston uh, and New York before heading over to the UK, Rory. Yeah, we're starting off in Belfast, then we've got uh, Manchester, Glasgow, and then finally ending up right back here in London at the Hackney Empire, I believe on the 28th, which is Halloween weekend. So if you are interested in having a spooky little October, seeing some great live comedy all about the paranormal, definitely come check it out. If you love Dune, I apologize. Uh, I'm willing to have a lengthy discussion about it post-show at the bar. Changed my mind. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, uh, all the best for the tour. I hope it goes really well. And thanks for coming on Desert Island Dicks today, mate. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Dan. Really appreciate it. So there you go, the lads from This Paranormal Life there on Desert Island Dicks. And I think that's it. We're going to keep it short and sweet today. Obviously, another reminder to go and buy your tickets for us live, doing a live show on Thursday the 2nd of November, as I mentioned before. It features the brilliant Jenny Eclair. It's on Thursday the 2nd of November at the Bedford Pub in Ballam, which is a brilliant venue in southwest London, and we would love to see you there. So go and get your tickets now, cheerfullyavault.co.uk. Desert Island Dicks was a sync clap production. It was dreamt up and produced by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus, and beautifully edited by Chris Attaway. Thank you, Chris. And also... I'm giving him an extra thank you there because I've made a real fucking mess of this intro and outro and he's had to do even more editing. So apologies, Chris. And before I go, as always, a big shout out and a hearty, warm handshake to the big man, John Deacon. We'll be back next week with another episode. So thank you for listening. Bye bye.